0: A few weeks ago, I get this email that starts, Hi, Bart. My name is Josh Kaufman. I was the winner of season six of NBC's The Voice back in 2014. And I'm hooked. I'm immediately hooked. I mean, I don't watch a lot of reality TV, um, but I am familiar with The Voice I've seen clips of you know great performances on The Voice. I I I have a little bit of personal experience through my daughter-in-law uh, with that whole Adam Levine Blake Shelton vibe, and I'm thinking, wow, you won The Voice, and and so, you know, so I, so I start, I start reading. He goes like, yeah, yeah, my undergraduate background, however, is in philosophy. I still work, you know, he's like, I still work as a singer songwriter, but my educational background is in philosophy. And along with making music, I like to teach, write and speak. And he says, I live in central Indiana with my wife and five kids. So I'm like, wow, that's not usually where stardom leads you. But uh, what do you know? And And then the dime drops and he goes like, I saw you speak back in the 90s when I was a student at Anderson University. You were still a Christian at the time, but the talks you gave were definitely instrumental in my move away from Christianity. You were clearly asking a lot of questions and finding that you couldn't honestly and with good conscience accept some of the teachings of the church. I appreciated and related to that. I still do, which is why I'm reaching out to you now. And I thought, Anderson University, I remember speaking at Anderson university. I was there for one of those spiritual life emphasis weeks where they had me in chapel every day for five days. And then they had me stalking in classes and doing late night Q and A's with students. And at, at that point in my life, I was at the perfect sort of intersection of passionate commitment to the poor and to truth and to all of that stuff. And you know, falling apart theologically in terms of my ability to hold on to Christianity. And so, having me preach to college students, I was so intense, but I was spouting universalism and, you know, maybe God isn't in control of everythingism and all sorts of stuff that, you know, I, I was on my way out. But oh my gosh, did the students there respond? I mean, every night I would be in some lounge with a hundred students that would stay until one o'clock in the morning asking questions. Because of course, like at a hyper Christian college, somebody like on their way out and somebody who's intense and somebody who's read a few books, like I was kind of, I don't know what the word is, like a little rock starry for those people. And I, over the last 20 some years, I still hear regularly from people who that was uh, an important moment in their life, um, including Holly Laurent, who we've, who's been on the podcast, the, the, the comedian from Los Angeles who runs, who, who's part of Mega. Holly, that's where I met her. So this guy's like, you know, you were instrumental in getting me out. Like I wasn't even out yet, but I was already deconverting people. And uh, But then he goes on. And he says, I've put something together that's half concert, half storytelling, that traces my journey from Christianity in my early life to 20 years of agnosticism leading towards atheism to a recent return to Christian faith. And I'm like, what? I mean, I just don't get many reconversion stories coming my way. I I honestly don't think there are many reconversion stories. Um, but he's like, yep, I've come back and I'm, I'm still hooked. I'm curious. I'm not thinking this guy's going to be on the podcast, but you know, I'm curious. And so I, I write back to him and you know, what he's looking for is he wants to tell his story and he especially wants to tell it to me. And sometimes people are sneaking up on me because they want to, you know, try to reconvert me or like, I've seen the light and I can help you. This guy is not that. I reach out to him and say, hey, I remember that. And by the way, in between, I look up all his performances on The Voice. And the guy is an amazingly great singer. I mean, not surprisingly, if you win The Voice. But I mean, he's got soul. He's got charisma. I'm thinking, all right, this is an interesting dude. And uh, I'm also thinking, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to help a guy Who's got charisma tell his reconversion story because for the same reason that I was so attractive to students at Anderson and probably helped many of them stay Christian for twenty more years uh I'm not sure I w- <laughs> want to help somebody who 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 has enough charisma to take somebody who's teetering on the end of you know giving it up and getting to t- to double down for another twenty years but I, I'm thinking like, you know what? maybe we should talk and uh and I thought you know maybe we should record the talk and see if it turns into anything and 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 so i reached out and said sure i'd be glad to and he said yeah let's do it and so we did it and i'm about to share this conversation with you and i got to be honest with you by the time he got done talking to me about his reconversion i was still confused you'll you'll pick that up as you listen to the conversation but the like he's an interesting guy and I think it's, I think it's, it's a weird conversation. I hope you, I think you'll like it. And I think there's something for everybody there, uh, including a few fun music stories. So without, you know, dressing, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to show up on the other side after you've heard the conversation and I'll give you a little bit of my closing thoughts on it. So, so let's do that. You listen to the conversation. I'll catch you on the other side. Here's me and Josh Hoffman on Me.
1: Hey, well, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much.
0: So let's start with how funny it is for me to get an email from somebody who says, you might know me because I won the voice. <laughs> and secondly... I remember hearing you preach at Anderson University <laughs> back in the day. Yes. But those are two things that very <laughs> seldom go together. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm sure that's a little crazy. I mean, I recently met Adam Levine. Okay. And um, Adam Levine is, is a very famous pop star, but he has never heard me speak at Anderson University <laughs> or really anywhere. <laughs> As an evangelical Christian. And there are many people that like are like, I heard you speak at Anderson, but they are not pop stars.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Um, so, you are that rare. You are that rare. The intersection. Intersectionality of my life. Yes. So, so what, what year in school were you when I came to Anderson? Do you remember?
1: I would have been, I believe, I believe it was my last. I went there for three years and I believe it was the last year that I was there. Um, was that... I want to say, was that 97-ish, I think? It totally could have
0: been. Did you grow up in that world? Yeah. Of, uh, of evangelical Christianity?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I grew up, um, I was born in Florida, lived in Florida. My my parents got divorced when I was young, like two years old, and my mom moved to the center of the state in Florida and went to warner southern college which is now warner university which is affiliated with the church of god out of anderson indiana um so i i and we went to a church of god there in in lake wales florida and i grew up going there and and uh you know was active in the youth group as i got older and started singing in a uh a Uh, like traveling choir on the, in the summers where we would go to different churches and sing. Um, So, yeah, that was, I mean, that- What were you guys called? What were you guys called? Because I I, I love the names of those traveling choirs. New Way. New Way.
0: New Way. Yes. Nice. New Way. (laughs) So, so when your mom and dad
1: got divorced and you moved to, and you moved to Central Florida, Mm -hmm. was she super young- she was. She had me when she was 19, so we moved when okay. she was early 20s. Yeah. And and was your dad out of the picture or was he coming around too? No, he um so we when we moved that put us about 2 hours away from him. Um and he would come get me most a lot of weekends and then I'd go see him holidays and so he was he he worked really hard to be Uh, to be involved as much as he could, even though my mom had, had custody. Um, But he did. Yeah. I did see him a lot growing up.
0: So, so were you like Christian purity culture, meet me at the pole, praying for everybody,
1: leading Bible studies, all that stuff? A a lot of, a lot of that stuff. Yes. I mean, I, I definitely had, gosh, I look back and, and think about like being at school and feeling this like. This like guilt and pressure of like, well, how do I, how do I, how do I make this conversation so that I'm like leading this person to Christ? Or, you know, like, like I've always (laughs) felt this, (laughs) felt this, like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Winning everybody. It was, yeah. So I was, I was all in a hundred percent. And, and, and
0: am I like, and this is just a sidebar, but like, am I, it sounds like for you to be that all in at the church and that's your stepfather is leading the church. Like, did you kind of embrace him? Like, was he an okay guy? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah, and actually, he's still he's still the pastor at that same church, um, and um, yeah, yeah. Every everything has was always always good with him. So when I'm
0: watching The Voice, and they show backstage as you're getting like everybody's turning their chairs around and like you're going to be a star, I, I saw this couple that was backstage just oh yay. Was that your mom and your stepdad? Mom and stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They looked very nice. Um, I know that your story involves a descent into deconversion, agnosticism. Yeah. Like where, where did, where did the wheels start to come off for you?
1: Um, it, it was, I mean, uh, so I've always been, I don't know. I've always always been drawn to philosophy and things like that. that's actually what my major ended up being in school. Um, and so, uh, I tend to be skeptical about things. I tend to question and look for answers and search and but the first thing that I really remember and actually this is something when I saw you speak um, that that you kind of addressed at the time um, that really kind of it, it was something that I had been sort of thinking about and it just kind of gave me some yeah no that's it that's <laughs> that's what i've been thinking about so um, just the idea th- the, uh, basically, the idea of hell, that everything was belief-based, and if you don't have this right set of beliefs, then you're doomed to an eternity of suffering. And that just seemed absurd to me, and it seemed completely- Or at the very least, unloving. Right, yes. And that's what I was <laughs> going to say, counter to a God who is supposedly love. Um, so, I, that started to be a problem for me um, but I could still kind of hold it together and just say, well, maybe that's maybe maybe these people have this wrong, but the rest of it I can hold on to. Um but then I started reading um some some books, uh John Dominic Crossan, uh A.N. Wilson's Jesus Alive, some of the historical Jesus kind of stuff that was coming out in the nineties. Um and started thinking well what that that got me to thinking okay how much do we really know about this person that we've built this religion on and i i started questioning that and i started having questions about like well it, you know there's this message of atonement that jesus was sent to he had to die to, for us to be forgiven of our sins. And I just thought, well, couldn't a loving God just say, Hey, I forgive you of your sins. Um, and so that started to, I always, uh, I always wondered that. (laughs) I always wondered that,
0: you know, like, it's like Jesus had to die on the cross. And I'm like, but like, then when God commands us to, you know, it's it's sort of like, I want to forgive you, but somebody's got (laughs) to die. And it's either you, Jesus, somebody's (laughs) got to die. And, And I thought, but then, but then Jesus says, you know, forgive one another as, as you have been forgiven. And I'm thinking like, when I forgive people, you know, I just forgive them. I don't kill anybody. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. The atonement thing is a weird thing where you're like, the rules say somebody has to die. And you're like, who made up the rules? Right. Oh, that would be
1: God. (laughs) You know, could, I don't (laughs) know. Yeah. It's kind of weird. um, Exactly. Exactly. Um, so just a lot of things started to kind of break down for me. Um, to the point that eventually the Christianity piece went. It just, it just kind of got to the point where I was like, I can, I can handle an idea of a God, but I, I don't see why it has to be this. And all of this stuff is starting to be problematic for me. Um, and so, I, I kind of let that piece go. Um, and uh, So, you weren't sure you were letting go of supernatural God. Right. Not at you first. Were just
0: let, but you were like... I'm letting go of the Christian narrative as right. being like this is the one true understanding.
1: Right. Right. Um, and another piece of that too was that like I remember I had a I had a Bible. Of course, at Anderson you have to take a no matter what your major is, you have to take a certain number of Bible and religion courses. Um, and I took a course uh, I can't even remember. It was it was just an introductory Bible class. And I remember the professor said. Everything we know about God is like a tiny drop in the ocean of what God actually is. And I just remember thinking like... Well then, why are we talking about it so much? Because if we're that far off, like if that's all we've got of what everything really is about it, like we're filling books of theology, and all that is is just this tiny drop. Like, are we really saying anything that matters that much? And 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 I guess too, as an artist, like if if I was going to have any belief in God, like art to me. The whole point of art and, and music at its best is to kind of be transcendent and to, to go beyond what we can say in words and what we can rationally write in an essay and, and to try and get at something that, that, goes, that goes beyond that, 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 that makes us uh, – that hits at a at truth in a different way than just here's a here's here's some rational ideas for you to to ponder. Um and that kind of connected to what religion should be for me at that point more than more than theology and reason. So I just that's another part of the breakdown was just that even if this thing is out there how, how can we say very much about it if it's so transcendent, so so in, infinite, so beyond like that we can't even begin to wrap our minds around it then why do we need a religion at all? Um why can't we just acknowledge it and say I, I don't know. Um and so uh, that that, that, that was very, another piece of it.
0: Yeah, that, that's very artsy. <laughs> um and I mean that I mean that in a good way like sure, it's sure. funny I I remember an old an old guy once said to me if if somebody can tell you if somebody can explain why they're in love with their wife to you they don't really love her Right
1: yes absolutely
0: Yeah that 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 in a sense if if it's if it really was this love thing this transcendent love thing they would not be able to break it down and put it into words that way.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and so, and it's funny because like you said, like, hey, when you were there, like, it seemed like the wheels were coming off for you too. And
1: <laughs> Yes.
0: You know, and, and my deconversion was very much like somebody coming out gay, where when I finally said to people, you know, I, I don't think there's any supernatural force at all in the universe all my friends are like, yeah, we knew you didn't believe any of that stuff. <laughs> we wondered when you would figure it out. Nice. You know, like everybody, you know, some of my gay friends, everybody knew they were gay before they did. Sure, sure. And I think, every, I think probably there were many professors at Anderson that were saying, this guy, I don't think he's one of us. Um, <laughs> but when, you, when you're done at Anderson, when you're finished, do you think of yourself as like a guy who went to a Christian college and lost his faith?
1: Or do you think of yourself as just like, I'm really progressive? No, I think I think of myself as somebody who went to a Christian college and lost his faith, um, for sure. Um, and and it, like I said, it wasn't too long that, that the whole thing, like not just the Christianity part, but it wasn't too long before just God and religion in general um, kind of fell apart for me. Um, and so, that summer after my third year, um, I got a I got a job at uh, this daycare that was a part of a church there um, in Anderson. Um, and I went a couple days and I didn't love it and I was just confused. I was just that like early 20s, kind of have no idea what I'm doing, don't know where I want to go. And I woke up one morning... I was supposed to go to work and, uh, I sat on my bed for like an hour and a half and I just sat there and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I ultimately decided I put my, I put like a couple changes of clothes in my backpack and, um, I took my guitar and I threw it in my car and I just started driving. And I went to Hollywood. (laughs) I I did go to California. (laughs) 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 <laughs> that was the idea i went out to california but i'm also i'm also terrible at like networking and i'm really introverted uh naturally so like i got out there and i didn't know anybody and i was just like i don't even know where to begin here so i my friend another friend of mine who i'd who had been my roommate there in anderson was moving to nashville to go uh work on you know being a musician down there so i was like ah, i'll go down there with him i stayed there for a few months and i played stuff i went to a few different studios and played for a few people and what they all told me were like man that's cool stuff but you don't belong here like this is like this is like country and christian at the time it still it was it hadn't really transitioned to everything else yet they're like you need And to at that to-
0: time were you doing more rhythm and blues kind of stuff
1: I was doing this, yeah, it had like, yeah, kind of a bluesy, jazzy, lots of chords, like really like more complex kind of stuff. It wasn't simple pop music. And, um, they were like the one guy was one guy who I played for was like, yeah, I love this stuff, but you need to be in California. Um, I was like, well, I already tried that. <laughs> um, I ended up just coming back to Indiana cause I knew people. Um, and I just started, I did, I started just I figured, well, I'll just start locally. I'll just start playing a lot and see what comes of it. Um, so, um, did that thing for a while. And, uh, it- so how long, wait, so you came back to Anderson
0: mm-hmm. now, now, Anderson, Indiana, if you're a post Christian at that point, I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like it would be a great place to be or, or, or an excellent place to meet women. No. Um, yeah. No. Well, here's well, the thing, and, and and as far and I remember speaking there, and I don't remember that the that the um, like the music scene was you know like the secular music
1: scene was a big deal in Anderson. Right. There's a lot of cover bands. So yeah. So
0: yeah. So what the heck
1: were you doing? I really I don't know. Um, I <laughs> I ended up I got a job at a Barnes Noble, um, and Noble, and. I met my wife there. So, you know, one of the few places in in Indiana, I at least was in a bookstore, so I was a little more likely to meet somebody like-minded. Um and, was uh, she working,
0: or was she in there
1: to buy a book? She was. She worked in the cafe, and I worked in the music department. Um, okay, and okay. so we met there. We start. We both had. We're hanging out at the same little jazz club that was downtown. I started singing jazz around town, and that and that's one thing that India, Indianapolis does have quite a bit of. So I did. Uh, I did do a lot of. Uh, jazz at the time um which was okay. which was fun um but uh yeah and i just kind of played music locally had had different jobs and then uh, i ended up going back to school at IUPUI here in uh in indianapolis and finished my philosophy degree um and then a couple years later i went to grad school at northern illinois thinking well maybe i'll maybe i'll go the academia route um which ultimately i decided was was not for me <laughs> So, so two things. First of all, when you left the faith and you're out there
0: bouncing around, your mom and dad, or your mom and your stepdad, um, are they worried? Are they upset? Do they think this is just like a brief, you know, hiatus? Like, are, like. Did you come out to these people and say, like I'm done with Christianity,
1: yeah, eventually that was hard. I definitely had like a they were they were visiting you know they would come up to Anderson sometimes Anderson has this big like camp meeting thing for all the all the church of God people and they right show up and they came up one one summer for that, um and I kind of just said, like you know, I just wanted to I figured I'd let you know like this is kind of where I'm at right now and um but yeah they all they worried about me and they 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 thought, you know, they didn't, they didn't like it, but they, you know, I think they at least like felt like, well, you know, like we're going to, we're going to trust our, you know, our faith in God and, and just whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever path you need to go down, you're going to go down.
0: (laughs) And what about this woman that you meet in the bookstore? Mm -hmm. Is she a Christian? Is she an Anderson Christian or is she like out of it like you?
1: No. Yeah. She, she grew up going to, uh, um, a Presbyterian church uh, in, in Indianapolis um, wasn't like super church involved like I was as, as a kid. And she, had, she didn't have anything to do with, with church at the, at the time that I met her. Um, okay. So,
0: you're just two nice
1: kids. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. So, like I know two things are in your future as I'm listening to this story. First of all, I know that like at some point you're going you're gonna to go on The Voice. Right. And you're going to wow them and i know that at some point you're actually going to reconvert to something right, right so so how long was it after you left the the
1: grad school thing that you went on the voice okay grad school was 2006 to 2008 um and then uh I went on the Voice in 2014. Wow! So, what did you do during those six years? I played music locally, regionally, um, doing doing my own solo stuff, and I uh, I worked for Princeton Review for a while as a like SAT, ACT, GMAT, GRE, LSAT. I taught all the tests, all the standardized tests. Okay, yeah. And then, um, and then I ended up doing that on my own. Uh, just privately uh, as a side job because I didn't make enough as kids. a musician. Yeah, I tutored, yeah. Yeah. Um, kids and, and adults and then, because of the the graduate school exams that I taught too. You have like five kids, right? I do, I do. So, so when did you start having these children? Uh, in 2008 was when my first was was born. Anyway, so how, of course, I did. So, yeah, how'd the voice happen? Um, I just decided that... Uh, I think probably in that search for like, okay, I need, I, I want this purpose. I want something bigger. I want, I, I was, I was like, I'm going to go, rather than just being this working local musician, I want to do something bigger than that. But I'm in my late thirties at the time um, and I have kids and I'm married and I can't be the, like the guy who just goes and plays crappy gigs for no money and hopes that it turns into something. So I needed to get from like here to here if I wanted to be a successful musician. And so I thought, well, I don't really watch reality TV, but I've seen this one show one time. And I thought, well, if I were ever going to do one of these, this would be the one I'd probably try for. Um, And so just kind of on a, Whim just pretty like I hadn't it wasn't a lot of thought I was just like I'm gonna go try this, and uh, I I went through all the stuff online, put in my uh, and signed up to go to one of the open call auditions where you just sit in a stadium all day and wait your turn to go into the room with with the the casting people, and um uh, obviously made it through all the steps and, right right and I would think that your narrative of like
0: hi I'm this awe shucks guy from indiana married with kids right
1: like was that was that a good was that a good vibe for them yeah no they they loved that story and definitely like wanted to make sure that i like get your kids out here to la whenever you can we want everybody to see your family and um yeah that was that was kind of my story i was the the guy who was like the working musician who was taking his last shot at it and has a family and uh so yeah it was i think they liked the story and uh yeah, and and you, and you, you killed it.
0: <laughs> so there's that, and what's funny is like I I listened to the music that you sent me, and obviously the stuff you were singing on The Voice, like that's not your favorite music.
1: No. Yeah. Uh, I I you, you, you don't listen really... to a lot of Usher, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, I, I don't. I don't listen to, to much of that. I and I tried to like. I guess when I went into it, I was like, okay. Well, I'm more on the on the artist to entertainer continuum. I'm more to the artist side, but surely there's some co- kind of compromise that I can make. Um, and I've done the sort of soulful thing a lot, and I, I like that piece and of. And I I'm pretty like. Diverse in what I've done musically, so I, I I could have picked a lot of different, but that that seemed like it would work, and I yeah. and I enjoyed I enjoyed parts of that, and so I thought, well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna embrace that, and then and then I'm gonna find the compromise that like makes me happy, but also makes people who are listening <laughs> to to what I did on the voice happy, you know.
0: So when you won, mm-hmm. did
1: you think, okay, my career is made? You know, I think. I guess maybe because I was older and I kind of, I yeah. don't know. I kind of came out of it just as like, I have no idea what happens next. Um, I knew that The Voice hadn't broken a big artist in the first five seasons. I was on the sixth season, so I didn't know. I knew it didn't necessarily mean like, this is it, you're done. Like, you've got it. Like, I knew I had to keep working, um, but I didn't know. I didn't know what, I, d- I had no idea what came next. Like, you get the record Have, deal. They, have they ever broken a big artist? uh no not really not really i don't think who's the show that broke kelly clarkson and those people Uh, american idol yeah that's it yeah my theory is that early on that was the goal for the voice and then as they got a few seasons in they realized oh people just like the show we don't have to do this
0: and it's about the hosts like like the, the the performers are really a vehicle for the host to show how
2: cool they are
1: yes absolutely so I yeah. and I realized that after the fact, especially I, I, I knew the record label, the record deal that I got was was just a prize it was <laughs> they weren't gonna they weren't gonna like actually put any effort or money into m- making me you know doing an album they're like well let's instead of an album let's start with a single and and it, nothing ever even came of that they didn't put that out and i ended up getting out of the record deal and um so but it did open up a lot of uh doors for me for a while i you know i had opportunity uh, right after the show i got to sit in with the roots on uh jimmy fallon and i got to i headlined the indie jazz fest here in indianapolis and i uh was on broadway which i never thought i would have done i was the lead in pippin for a few months at um at the end of 2014 um so i got to do some pretty pretty big things it made it possible for me to stop being a sat Shooter. tutor yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Thank you voice. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But
0: but so then from then on have you have you sort of been like now I am a professional musician
1: like I can make it with my music gig without having to tutor? Um I think I could have if I had leveraged things the right way and gone the right angles and you know maybe moved to New York and pursued the Broadway thing or whatever. Yeah, there were there were avenues that probably I could have gone down. Um, yeah, but but not not based out of Anderson, Indiana with five kids. Right. Yeah, exactly. I would have had to have done something different that I wasn't willing to do. And I, and I think a lot of these things that I did were big, um, but they honestly weren't that fulfilling for me. I didn't, I didn't really care that I was doing them that much. They were just another job to some extent. Okay. Stop there. Let's take a
0: break.
2: Hi, this is Katie. I am a behind the scenes producer of this very podcast. And if you would like a Humanize Me t-shirt or hoodie, they actually exist. Our merch is exclusively available to supporters of the show on Patreon. And you can check out all of the options at patreon.com backslash humanize me. This is just one of the many ways we try to thank those who make the show happen every month. So I'm like, I'm serious. Thank you and back to the show
0: all right so i gotta tell you i'm getting nervous okay because um once i figured out that i wanted to build community for people outside of the faith and i wanted to help find people find meaning and purpose and joy and love and fellowship um, i tried really hard to do that professionally Um, but there's no infrastructure in the secular world to be like a humanist pastor a humanist chaplain like there's nobody to pay me and so um my wife my wife paid the bills for like a long time until i finally figured out i gotta i gotta figure out some way i can actually contribute to my household sure but during that time i remember my kids always saying to me look dad if the money ever gets really tough if money ever really gets tight you know how you can make a boatload of cash and i was like no how she's like your comeback tour in Christianity. (laughs) They're like, God came back and he touched me. And on the Damascus road, and they're like, you will sell a million. Like you'll be so popular. Like, you know, I'm back. The I'm back tour. Right. And so that, since I was, and and we sort of joked about that, that like, that was my, my ace in the hole. Yeah. Um, Is I could come back to Jesus and, and, and they would love to have me. And now I'm going like this guy, you know even the voice didn't do it for him he's he's <laughs> back on the and I'm like oh, wait a second so so okay so so because like I like reconversion stories are always really weird to me because mm-hmm. it feels like I have such such a narrative of like the matrix you know uh-huh. where like you you finally get out of the matrix and you go like. You can't plug me back in, can you? And they go like, no. But even if you could go back in, would you want to go back into right. that like mental slavery? So reconversion stories are weird to me. So like, you've told me about your deconversion. Right. You told me about like a little bit about your life. How do you get back in? Like, what what what's going on?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, so I, I all through all of this time, I was I still. I don't know. I wanted an answer. I wanted like I, – I didn't have to like know no with certainty, but I wanted to at least say belief-wise, I'm, I'm an atheist or I'm a Buddhist or I believe in God, but I don't have a specific religious affiliation or I'm, I, I, I was looking for an answer to, to, to give to that question. There's a difference between an answer and a path. Right. Like somebody
0: can be on a path and go like, this is the way I am going, I am journeying. Sure. And you go like, but have you reached your answer? And you're like, no, no, I don't even know if I ever will. But like, this is the, this is my mode of inquiry. And then there's somebody who's like, no, I need an answer. Right. Like I need to know like, what's true about existence? Like what is the meaning of life? Which, which were you looking for a path or were you looking for
1: the answer? No, I think I was. I I I think I was looking for an answer, and like I said, I I'm very skeptical. But so I don't need like, I don't I don't believe there's very much room for absolute certainty anywhere. Um, but I I was looking to like land somewhere, and what I, what ultimately happened is I I don't even know what brought it about, but it is I was like, I just was thinking one day, and I was like, dude, you've been thinking about this for twenty years, like and you're still in basically the same place, like you're not going to land on an answer. Like there's, it's, you just have to be okay with this being an open question. And that for whatever reason was, I think a big part of where the reconversion started. There was an experience that I had after that, um, where, uh, I started reading C.S. Lewis's, uh, Surprised by Joy, which that's his like autobiography of like the first 30, whatever years of his life from to the point that he converted to Christianity. And the beginning of it's very like, here's my early life. I grew up here in in Ireland and my school was this way and I learned from this guy and and he's a very good writer. So it was it was kind of beautiful and interesting, but it wasn't that big a deal to me either way. And I kind of kept putting it down and um, but when i when i start when he started getting more into like how he what were the reasons that he started to open up to ideas of theism and then ultimately christianity um a lot of that really started to uh connect with me um and in the midst of reading that one night um I had this really you know this experience that is totally explain awayable. Um, you know, it was, it was, uh, I went out and there was a storm happening. It was, I just kind of put the book down. Cause it was like one of those moments where I had just reading and it was, I, I needed to process some things. And so I was like, I'm just going to go out and sit on my porch. It was kind of far off in the distance. And I was doing the little thing where you, you count like one Mississippi tomb, see how far the, how far the lightning is away. And it was like five miles off or something. And for the first time in a long time, I felt this really strong like feeling of something that I would call God um, that was saying like go back outside and so I went back outside and I, uh, I was like okay I, what, am I, what am I doing here um, and I like reached my hand out into the rain and was just kind of like and as soon as I did that there was this like <sighs> giant crash of light like lightning thunder like felt like it was going to blow up the house and I like almost fell back into the front porch. And, um, and it just felt very purposeful. Next day, I had another weird experience where um, I had a little space where I was teaching lessons. A couple, of my, a couple of my students canceled at the end of my lesson. So, I got done early. I was driving home. I called my wife and she was like, hey, can you pick up some pictures from Walgreens? And I was like, yeah, sure. So, I stopped at Walgreens. As I'm driving, this it starts to get really like dark and cloudy and, but the sun is setting and there's this really like yellow, like everything turned yellow. It was like this really surreal otherworldly kind of feeling. And I'm like, I walk in, get the pictures, come back out. It's getting even more like that. And this like ray of lights coming out and there's a rainbow up against like black clouds. And then I turn right and this bunch of lightning just goes across the sky over the top of me. And again, it all felt very like, a, I should have missed all of it because I got home, I got home and this storm thing that was happening just like was done. I got out of my car and you would think it was just a normal sunset evening. I walked inside and that was it. My kids didn't see any of it and I asked them about it. I was like, did you guys see everything that was going on? They're like, nah. <laughs> and, and so, I like... Because of like the way things went, like the, because of my lessons being canceled and because I went to the wrong place and went the, uh, it all felt very, it all like, felt
0: very personal, per- personal very and orchestrated. Purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. Orchestrated for you. And
1: again, is there, is it a, can you explain it away? Of course. Like that doesn't have to mean anything to anybody else. Um, but it, it did feel purposeful in a way that like. In a way that I can't explain, that's internal to me, and in a way that that I don't feel like I have to be able to explain. Um, uh, well, no, no, I I mean, it's, get- it's it's weird because a lot of times when somebody
0: can't do evangelical Christianity because it's so specific, right, and that God is so personal and that God has an attitude, they'll they'll shift into this more like deist. God is everywhere. God is you know, God is in, 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 in the, in the design. Sure. Like what's interesting about your situation, like I haven't heard this story, like not just from you, from, from kind of anyone, sure. because you leave behind like the story of a very specific personal God who talks to individual people or sends individual signs, like who cares about like whether, who you're dating or, (laughs) you know, or, 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 or whether or not you're smoking. And You leave that behind. You do the agnosticism thing for 20 years. And then when, as you're sort of coming back to it, you jump right over all that progressive, like God is in everything thing to like a God who like, he sent me a lightning bolt. Right. I know. I know. He sent me a rainbow. Like God's (laughs) looking, God remembered that prayer from 20 years ago. And he said like, you know what, Josh, it's about time you and I got reconnected. (laughs) Right. Right. And like, it's a very personal God that you came back to.
1: Yeah. And
0: And that's just, Surprising to me.
1: No, I I understand because the I relate to a lot of the more the more mysterious thing. The and, and I still feel that way. I still feel that that we have to be willing to let go of the lot of a lot of the certainty and definite theology and answers. I, I think that any meaningful idea of God has to be transcendent to the point that we're always kind of talking about it metaphorically. So, so we're never really a hundred percent getting at it. We're, we're just, we're, we're scratching surfaces. We're, we're, you know there is a little bit of that like drop in the ocean kind of thing, but maybe maybe that's maybe that's not maybe that's only a metaphor. Maybe that's not the best way to explain it, or it's one way to explain it that gets at a piece of it. Um, but, uh, but these are not metaphors. The, 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 the lightning bolt and the rainbow that, and the no. yellow sky, like that's nothing metaphorical about. Right? That. No. And, and so that after that happened, um, I uh, I thought back. And I started kind of re rethinking about an experience that I had had way, 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 way back, um, which I had kind of just let go and dismissed. So I, when I was 18, 19, within that two-year period before I went to Anderson, after I got out of high school, I was up one night um, – studying my Bible and reading and pretty sure if I remember right, I think I was reading in the book of uh, John, doesn't matter. But um, I stopped to kind of just like think about what I was reading, maybe pray or whatever. And I, I took, I was, I was on my bed. I was resting like just on my elbows, kind of just sitting, laying there on my bed, my Bible right here. I looked away for like a minute or two, kind of just think about it. And when I looked back down, the Bible was on a different page like 60, 70 pages away from, from where I had been. And again, I, even at that time when I was like all in on the church thing, I was still skeptical kind of. And so I like, okay, like how did that happen? Like I moved it back and I started like bumping the Bible and like seeing, well, what if I, run over it. Nothing happened to the pages. Um, I went and checked my vent (laughs) and and I'm like reaching up to see if, if anything's happening with the vent and, uh, and the air was blowing, but it was having no effect on, on these pages. Um, and so, uh, in that moment I was like, okay, well maybe this is like some real thing. Like I, I believe this can happen. So I'm going to like start reading and, uh, what I got to, what stood out to me on that page that it had it had turned to, it was in Acts. It was Paul giving his account of uh, of his conversion experience to Agrippa, and the the thing says, "But get up and stand on your feet, for I've appeared to you for this purpose to go and tell people about the things in which you've seen me and the things in which I will appear to you." And I was just like, "Okay, this is this is what I'm supposed to do," um, and then of course. And so I was like, okay, what, how do I do it? And I never, I never knew. <laughs> and, and that was kind of, and then I went to college and then things started breaking down. And then I looked back yeah, on that yeah. and I was like, well, you know, I don't believe in that anymore. There must've been a natural explanation for it. So I'm just gonna let it go. Um, um, but that started to stand out to me again after, after that. And I was like, well, maybe I, I never was able to explain that away. I just assumed it had to be explainable away, (laughs) whatever you want to say. Um, and so that, so those are like these two, these two kind of bookend experiences of my agnosticism.
0: Yeah. So I, so you're really very, um, open in terms of saying like, look, you know, you can explain these things away. Like those 20 years at which I was like, there's no compelling evidence. Like Compelling, to, compelling is a is a relative term. Some things are compelling to one person; they're not to another. And like, so I appreciate your openness. Like, th- these things could have natural explanations, right? But I take them to be God speaking to me, God reaching out to me. Okay, yeah. So now, my, here's my question: Is like, I know you're open to the possibility, but do you yourself have any doubts, or you got like, look, I can understand how somebody else could see it this way, but for myself. My life since then, or, or, or I feel certain that this is what this is. Like I have my answer. Do you doubt your own experiences, or
1: do you go like I can see how somebody could doubt them, but I sure don't. No, I, I guess it's more the latter. It's more the like I understand that it could be explained away, but as I look at them now, um, I, f- I feel very I feel a lot of confidence in them, and and I think that to me is where the like idea of faith comes into play for me Mm. Um, because, and I think I have a different understanding of faith uh, now than I did when I first was a Christian and I was younger. Um, So I, and I think a lot of times what people, what people dismiss about faith is that it's, a blind belief. It's like you're believing without evidence, which at best is dumb and at worst is immoral cuz like you, you know, there's you you shouldn't you shouldn't believe things without proper evidence, right? Like that's there there's there's a problem with that and it it can cause lots of problems that <laughs> that you would want to avoid. So so that's that is a reasonable, I think, reason to dismiss it. it but I don't take faith to mean uh, belief without evidence. So to me, like, there's like faith and there's belief, and they're kind of separate things. Um, and I guess so. So for me, faith kind of is more of a grounding for belief. It's more of an in, internal thing. And I guess what I'm, what I'm believing in is this, this internal sense um, that, that seems very real to me that I, that, that gives me a confidence. You know, there's the, what's the, the Hebrews verse. Uh, Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Yeah. Sure of what we hope for the assurance of things unseen. Yeah. So, which of course those two statements are, They don't make any sense. Nonsensical. Right. Yeah. They're nonsensical. You you don't, if, if you know something, then you don't need to hope for it. And if you're hoping for something, then you don't know it. But if, but, but we're putting those two things together and, and the evidence of things unseen. Well, you're saying I have evidence of something I don't have evidence for. So again, nonsensical in a rational sense. But this is where I start to get at some of the more like, uh, mysterious unexplainable kind of thing um and and to me there has to be for uh, that piece in order for it to make sense because if it's just rational if it's just a hundred percent i'm going to build up some arguments and then poof i've got god um that that's why it all broke down for me so there's this so so i'm
0: still not clear about like you're like there's faith and there's belief Right I, I know what it is to believe something to th- it's to think that that thing is true, right. Like to th- you know, I believe you. I think you're telling the truth. I believe that Cleveland is in Ohio. I believe you know, but this faith thing that you're talking about is sort of like this is the precondition for belief, yeah, or not um,
1: for all belief, but you know, you can believe based on just basic, like uh, I believe I believe that this keyboard that I have in front of me is here because I'm looking at it and I can feel it. And, you know, so I'm, I'm using just like,
0: and theoretically it could be wrong. Theoretically you could be living in an simulation, but Um, but you know, I actually, I actually believe it. And this is the reasons why I believe it. And there are other arguments, but these seem compelling to me. Belief I understand. Okay. What I'm trying to understand is like, what is this thing you're calling faith?
1: Yeah. Faith is to me is, is, another kind of justification uh that isn't that isn't sense related and rational related it's it's i'm i'm believing in believing in some other internal sense i'm believing that there's a an access to truth that that is more transcendent and less explainable um but but what i think happens is because we live in such a uh, in a world that that values, logic, and rationality, as we should, I'm not saying throw that out, but we dismiss anything that doesn't, fo- that, that can't be explained that way. A lot of times, um, I'm accepting some other way of grounding, uh, a belief. So my belief in God is rooted more in this faith piece that, that is that paradoxical evidence of things unseen, That is more internal to me. Um, and again, can I, is it, is it subject to the same, uh, same kind of, uh, rules? Yeah. No, no, it's not. I
0: mean, I mean, mean, it's funny because like on the one hand you're going, there are things you believe because you have reasons. And then faith is when you believe something for which you have no reason,
1: except your sense that. Or it's it's a different kind of reason. Uh, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, but it's not a reason. Ba- it's not an evidence based reason. It's not an arguable. It's not an arguable reason for sure. Like I, I, I can only present it to you. I can't, I can't use it as a way of convincing you. Um, See, okay, so like, you you seem like such
0: a lovely person, and so I go like, in some sense, it sounds like you didn't just climb back into believing in supernatural forces. You climb back into Christianity. Right. Right. You're quoting the scriptures. And and here's my thought. That seems like a really painful thing to climb back into because if God is capable of turning the pages on your Bible, if God is capable of sending a lightning bolt just for you, you go like, huh, I wonder why he didn't warn all those people on 9-11 not to get on the plane. No, 100%. You know, yeah, I wonder why he doesn't. If he can send lightning bolts and he can move Bible verses and like I go like, No longer do I question his existence. I just, I I go like, he doesn't seem like a nice a guy. (laughs) Like I, I mean, if I had that kind of power, I think I could do better. Yeah. I got a bunch of kids in here. I got a bunch of kids come to my office every day, like struggling with having been physically and sexually abused by adults over whom they had no power. I'm like, wow, you could send lightning bolts for Josh and you couldn't, you couldn't send a lightning bolt to keep this kid from getting raped. So like, like and, and that was my problem all the time right. I was a Christian. Don't get me wrong. Like I didn't come up with this as an atheist. Yeah. Like I'm like, that was part of the thing like drove me out of Christianity. I was like, I'm all about love and this God, like if he's, if he can do what they say he can do, he sucks. And if he can't do what he <laughs> they say he can do, he sucks. Like, like, like. <laughs> I can invent, I can think up a God better than the God they're giving me. Right. And so, I, you know, that was one of my basic sort of like rules of thumb is like, I won't, you know, I'm not going to worship any God who isn't at least as nice a person as I am. And so like, I would think, has this re recommitment to faith, has it plunged you back into all these philosophical problems that you had in college where you're like, I don't know, you know, like, what about the, you know, what about hell and what about, the atonement, like in killing somebody to forgive them, like has coming back to Christianity thrown you back into like, geez, this is kind of a iron age, horrible,
1: horrible narrative, but it's true. (laughs) Um, I think, I mean, I've definitely had to think, think about some of those things. I also don't think, well, and this is the hard part too, is I think that where, where I am right now kind of sticks me in this weird in-between space uh, where like I have all of these, uh, all of these people who I've known and like, you know, who are atheists or agnostic and they, they have very similar, they would say very similar things to what you were just saying, you know, which is totally understandable. And then I also have these people from my past who are pretty like conservative fundamentalist Christians. And I'm honestly not on in either of their boats to some extent. <laughs> you know, I feel it feels yeah. kind of like this weird in-between space because
0: how's, how's your wife doing? How's your wife doing with this?
1: Um she has always been She didn't sign up for this. Yeah, she's always been when I first talked to her about like I think I, I'm you know I think I'm kind of uh back. buying yeah I'm buying back into some of these pieces. Not all of it for sure, but some of some of this stuff. Um it was I think just surprising to her and she had to kind of process it, but, um, but it, it hasn't, it hasn't been problematic. And I, and again, I think it's, I think part of it is that like, I'm still pretty similar as a person, like as, as how I, sure. how I go about myself, you know, how I go about things throughout the day and, and who I am. Um, I just, uh, and, and I, I, you know, it's not like I'm I won't, I know. I'll never dive back into like the the Christianity that I grew up with. Um, that I yeah. still have a lot of problems with. A lot of those pieces. It's, it's weird, Josh, because like you know,
0: now like you're writing songs, and you're like, I've had this experience, and you know, it sounds like you've sort of almost created a one man show about yeah. like this is my story. Yeah, and. And you're like, Bar, you used to be on college campuses. I think this, I think this show of mine, this this stuff would really appeal to college students. And I'm like, oh Josh, are you kidding me? They on a Christian college, can you imagine a place like Anderson? They will eat <laughs> this up. Like all the, you know, because it won't appeal to like hardcore, like, no. like it, it won't go over at University of Michigan. No. you know, or yeah, like, at, at, right. at Harvard. But like you go on a you go on a campus where there are all these kids who are like, shaken into their core and not knowing if they're going to be able to stay Christian. And you come along and you say like, hey, I've been on the other side. There's nothing there. I was always empty. And then God came and brought me back. And they're going to go like, this is so amazing. I wanted to stay Christian and I was starting to doubt it. And this guy's been there and come back and now I don't have to go. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's funny. It, it all depends on where you are now. Sure. Like when I was in college, I read the writings of Karl Barth. Mm-hmm. I had I, I was studying biblical stuff, and and I didn't think that the Bible was true in the sense, in any kind of factual way. It, like it made no sense. It was full of errors. It was human, and I was like, ah, oh, that's it. I'm I'm out. And I read Karl Barth, and Karl Barth, a, a, a theology professor gave him to me. He was like, you should read Karl Barth. You're, you know, you really. And I read this stuff. I was like, oh. It turns out that the Bible doesn't have to be inerrant. It, like he gave me a whole new way of believing in the Bible, and like I was able to sign up and stay in Christianity for an additional twenty years. I hate Carl Bart now. I, I used to <laughs> I, I used to praise him, thank him. He gave me twenty years. Now I'm like, oh, I threw away twenty years of like of sanity. And and I did twenty years of theological gymnastics trying to make Christianity work, all because Karl Barth made it possible. If he would have just stayed out of my life, I would have given up Christianity and had a wonderful career as a as a lawyer or a journalist or some <laughs> such thing. Sure, I, I wonder. Like, do you look back at hearing me at Anderson and go like? fuck you, Bart Campolo. Like like if it hadn't been for you and you're, I probably could have stayed a Christian and I could have had 20 years of, of knowing Jesus. So I'm scared that you're going to be the Carl Bart to a bunch of college students. And they were just about ready to think their way out. The women were going to think their way out of like submitting themselves to men. A bunch of gay people were going to think their way out of feeling like, God hates them. A bunch of, a bunch of people are going to like go back to like hating themselves forever thinking a sexual thought sure. and they're going to hear you and they're going to go like, Oh, I'm back. <laughs> do, you, do you like, and like for me, like I, for you, you might go, wouldn't that be, a, wouldn't that be a blessing? And I'm going like,
1: Josh, no, no, no. Yeah. Don't no, go.
0: I, don't do it. Don't help them.
1: <laughs> I totally understand. And I, that's the hard part is that like, I, I don't I – don't, I, I don't know if I, – I guess I don't have the statistics to say most. But I think what most people call Christianity, um, I, I don't find compelling. Um, and, and I would want to be very uh, clear about
0: how, – How good are you at it articulating the kind of Christianity you do find
1: compelling? Um, I, I, I mean I think – I think I'm I'm pretty clear about it. Like I, I try, because I don't think the belief is primary. I think that love is primary, and so that was one of my problems from the beginning. Was like I don't I don't want to. I, I can't believe in a God who thinks that that Gandhi should go to hell because Gandhi wasn't a Christian or something like that. Right? I mean, I remember somebody telling me when I was a. Uh, uh, a kid, like, well, there are going to be a lot of good people in hell. Like, oh, well, that seems bad. <laughs> um, so, so,
0: so, so, what, what part of Christianity? Now that God spoke to you through the lightning, and, and I don't say that casually. Like, right, that's, right, right. Show you back to like, I actually think there was a guy named Jesus who was misquoted, but generally said these things, and then died and rose again. And sitteth at the right hand of God the Father. Like, did you
1: get that far back? Like, you're back into the resurrection. I mean, yeah, yeah, I do believe that, but I don't know that I believe it. It looks all the same as what as what uh it's presented as. Like, I and I also um again like it's not. There's a, who is the, the saint that they call the little flower? Anyway, she was, she was this, I guess she was this really um, soft-spoken Christian mystic. Um, Somebody, an official in the church was like, do you, you know, do you believe this? Do you believe that? Do you believe in hell? And she, and she said yes. And then whispered to somebody next to her, I just don't think there's anybody there. (laughs) And, And I'm not out there to tell you this because like, I'm like trying to, convert you to a belief system. Like you got to believe this or, or you're done. Um, I am just putting it out there as my story and saying, um, this is, this is how I've, I've found th- this is something yeah. that I've found meaning in. And I do believe that it's true. And there are a lot of pieces of it that I believe that's true. I don't think that you have to believe that it's true. Um, if that is what ultimately happens, um, cool. I don't feel that that's important to me. I also don't feel that it's important to the God that I believe in. I don't feel that there's a God who needs you to believe this set, this set bunch of creeds. Okay. Because that doesn't make so sense. This show. Because, so this yeah. show,
0: it sounds like that's part of the show. Like the God I believe in now doesn't need you to believe in him to like you.
1: Yeah. Right. Okay. So tell me about this show. Have you done this show anywhere? Um I I have done a shortened version of it where I took out a bunch of the songs and kind of and had to like cut it down. I did it actually at Anderson's Chapel for their homecoming recently. Um and but what I, I only played a couple of the songs kind of told my story. Um uh talked about some uh that idea of of faith as as being this kind of internal not arguable thing but that that is a grounding for a kind of belief. Um, and, uh, and then I, I played a couple of the songs. The songs, um, are a combination of things that I've written over the course of the last 20 years, along with a couple that I've written recently. Um, like I said, I'm very much like, to me, the point of art and music or any kind of art is is to have a have a transcendence to it, to be more than what you could say if you just wrote an essay. Because if I, I can write fairly good essays, I feel like. And so if I want to say that and I can say it in an essay, then why not just say it that way? Because it'll probably be more straightforward and give me more room to make an argument and <laughs> things like that. Um, so with music, I, I try to be... My, my favorite songs that I write are ones that are a little more poetic and I, I can't, when I write them, I can't sit down and say, well, here's the thing that I'm trying to say to you. They have a little bit more of a, an abstractness to them. Um, But a lot of these songs that I wrote along the way, I look back at, and I, it's almost like I can see more now what I was saying and what I was feeling and what I was thinking than I could in the moment of writing them. It was just like, it all just kind of came out. And now I can look back at that, that version of myself and be like, Oh, I, I kind of see why I, why I wrote that and why I said it this way. And it has more meaning to me now, even than it did then. Um, um, but it's, I mean, so, the song.
0: So, so in a sense, the songs, it sounds like the show is some of you talking, some of you singing, but it's almost like a musical version of the same story that you've told me. Yeah. Except yeah, and- it sounds like probably maybe a little more emphasis on the end point. Like yeah. this is, this is where I'm at right now.
1: Right, right, and it and I feel like the I like the combination of the speaking and the songs because, like I said, both of those pieces are important to me. I want to give you the the rational. Here's what happened. Here's how I'm thinking about things. Here are here are some of the important points. But I also want to give you like the the thing that's like maybe this helps you see what I'm feeling or what I'm and maybe maybe this maybe you can relate to this in a way that's that goes beyond that you know i think i need to see the show
0: yeah this was so much more fun than i
1: expected yeah 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 i
0: always say to people people can argue with your ideas or your thoughts or your beliefs but hardly nobody can really argue with your story like it's your story sure and when people are deconverting and they need to talk to their christian friends i always say like don't tell them what you don't believe anymore tell them what happened to you sure Um, and uh, so i appreciate you telling me your story yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to reflect upon it to to, to think what I make of it, um, but uh, I like you. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's been great talking. And and, and, and and I think that when you're done telling somebody your story, if they end up going like, I, I like that guy, that's th- then you probably told your story pretty well.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, thanks for talking to me. Yeah, thank you too. Uh, I appreciate it.
0: So there you have it. Are you as as confused as me? I mean, not confused about what a lovely person this is. I mean, he just seems like a very sincere and good guy uh, who happens to have a killer voice. But I got to be honest, for a guy who studied philosophy in college and then went to grad school and dug into it deeper as an agnostic, I was surprised that his story of re- I was surprised by the whole reconversion story partly that it just didn't seem to be at all up in the intellect like the things that took him out of Christianity the questions that were raised that the 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 the, the way in which the narrative itself doesn't hold together like when he came back it's lightning it's visceral it's oh god is out there and he's speaking to me and I was I was surprised by that um, I think partly I was surprised that not only did he come back in, but that he didn't come back in in that kind of vague, amorphous. There's more to you know, like there's things that we can't see. There's unknown things going on. And it's in this kind of like I believe in energy thing, which I can understand. I mean, I don't, I don't subscribe to that kind of woo, but I get it. I mean, the the universe is m- mystifying enough that I can see how people get swept up in it in an emotional way and then there's the, you know all the issues of consciousness and stuff like that that like my son would come back and yell at me about and th- th- there's plenty of room for for that kind of amorphous stuff but like the josh man right back into like you know f- Jesus rising from 3 days from actual deadness and flying up into heaven and all the stuff the 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 bible is authoritative and i was like wow i mean you, I didn't think you could get back in the matrix, but then I remembered that in the matrix, there is this one guy who gets back in. He's like, make me an actor. And uh, he had a motivation to get back in. And he was like, please wipe my mind. I don't want to think about it. I just want to eat steak and enjoy it. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't, I think Josh's reconversion is authentic. I mean, in some ways, I wonder if those 20 years in which he, it's he. I wonder if he was really agnostic and atheist after all, or if he had just turned his back on a god he wasn't excited about. And 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 I know that's a in some ways that's a terrible thing to say because that's what people say to me. Uh, they say, "Well, you were never really a Christian." And I'm like, "Yes, I was. I really believe that stuff." But sometimes people are like, "If you can leave it, you weren't really in it." <laughs> and, and I feel like I'm doing that. If you can leave secular humanism you weren't really one to begin with your faith wasn't true uh and 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 so i don't want to do that but it's it's funny what this is all reminding me of is i'm in this correspondence right now with a guy named philip yancey which again if you grew up in evangelical christianity in the 90s to early 2000s even now like philip yancey is as close as, as evangelical Christianity has to a modern day C.S. Lewis. He's their sort of thoughtful, reasonable, rational, intellectual guy. He writes lovely books. He was another one of those people that helped me stay a Christian when I was trying to stay a Christian for a long time. He re- writes books like Where is God When It Hurts? Or Does Prayer Really Work? Or you know, all, all, Disappointment with God, which is all about the experience of being a believer, but God never really shows up. And, uh, he's this beautiful guy. I've met him and, and we, we, we've corresponded before, but recently he sent me a copy of his memoir and he said, I think you'll find a lot in common in the story. And I read it and I found very little in common. I mean, I was raised by the nicest, most lovely Christians in the world and never had a bad experience in the church. Philip was raised in like, the deep South, crazy Bible belt, college, Bible college, charismatic bizarreness. And at the end of his Bible college experience, when he's basically hating everything and seculars all get out, that's when he has his conversion. And so he he writes me this memoir and I go like, look, dude, I, I can't relate to the story, but I'm kind of interested in your conversion experience Because after you'd seen all that bad Christianity, why would you even be open to sitting in a prayer meeting where you might get swept up in the spirit? And and we've been corresponding. And and, and he's telling me stuff that's helping to paint the picture. Uh, But in this last email, he says to me, Bart, the thing you got to understand about conversions is I always say that they can only be understood from the inside. You can't really understand anybody's conversion from the outside to which my response is Philip you've been around evangelical christianity long enough to know that there are many conversions that you can understand from the outside you know that were engineered by you know clever music and 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 moody lighting and charismatic speakers like my father and me who and and teenagers that are up late at night sugared up and and, and sleep deprived and surrounded by peer pressure. Like there are lots of conversions that you can absolutely explain from the outside, but some conversions and maybe Josh falls into that category really are things that make sense on the inside, but you, you, you just, you can't see them. You, you don't get them if you're not part of them. And, uh, so, you know, I mean, I, the faith belief thing that he brings up like, ah, uh, it isn't belief. It isn't that kind of like it's faith and that's different. I, I, I have had that told to me by so many people. And I still at the end of the day, never get the distinction. I never know what they're talking about. Um, what I do know is that I think he ended the conversation and some of the stuff he wrote to me afterwards suggests that he enjoyed that conversation. And he was like, it's got me thinking about some stuff. And I don't mean like, ooh, maybe he'll give it up again. I don't care. What I care about is that we be good at talking to people who see the world differently than we are, than we do. And I think whenever I have a conversation like that, where the person goes like, yeah, you seem like a really nice guy and you don't believe what I believe in. And he's like, yeah, you know what? That's the same about you. I feel like that's a victory for the whole human team, you know, not for like the, the agnostic team or the, or the atheist team or the humanist team and not for the evangelical team. Like, oh, that was pre-evangelism. I'm, I'm one step closer. I think it's just good for the race. It's good for the species. It's good for the tribe that we can talk about this stuff in a, in a positive way. Uh, and just be curious. And I I hope if nothing else, what came across was I was really curious. And if I didn't come away with all these clear answers, I do feel like I came away with a deeper appreciation for the way I hold on to my worldview. And... And sort of going like, you know, when tested against another person's way of holding their worldview, I go like, yeah, I really am more comfortable with this, with this one. And maybe that was his experience too. And that's okay with me. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed him. I, I don't know that I'm going to really try to help him go on Christian college campuses. I'm probably gonna have to have a conversation in which I say like, you gotta understand, like those kids are really vulnerable. (laughs) I'm not trying to pour any gasoline on those fires. Uh, But I, I I sure am glad that I have a podcast where a conversation like that can go and where by the time we get to the end of it, like we are now, there's still somebody listening. So thanks for being a part of it and I'll see you next time. On humanize me.
2: To hear an exclusive extra episode every month, please go to Patreon.com/slash humanize me. You'll also get Bart's monthly newsletter over there and get access to some great humanize me merch. Our supporters on Patreon are the ones making this show happen. For more information on Bart, go to BartCampolo.org. Also, If you choose to listen to the podcast on Spotify, we have a listener poll that you can take part in every episode, including this one. So join us on Spotify. Humanize Me is produced by Katie Johnson-Smith, me, John Wright, and Bart Campolo.
0: You could be larger than life. so thanks for doing the credits john now do you, do you have some of the patreon supporters t- that we can thank
2: yes bart we need to thank amit sinna tim miller lindsey joy Corey mounts taylor wilson and Raymond Cho. And I can't tell you how grateful we are for every one of you. Yeah, wow. What what a
0: privilege. To kind of have so many good people behind us. They're thank amazing. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank you um, for supporting the show. And thank you for being who you are in the world. It means a lot.